This is Zach Howard, and you're listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Hey, Real Nerds listeners. Your favorite host, Ryan, here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find The Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. Aw, man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic Con 2016, back on Father's Day and beyond. I am Ryan, and I am so excited to have this young man with me today. Hi. You might not recognize his voice. He's been gone for the last three weeks. Uh, Welcome back, James. Thank you. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been a while. It has been. It's I've, been I've while, yeah. uh, I'll be honest, I've missed you. Uh, I've missed you too. Oh, yeah. Nice. I know. It's weird. But uh, um, you... I went on. I went on vacation. I was working. Um, yeah, I've been I've been gone for a while. Yeah, you know, we actually recorded on uh, last Sunday, and I said, "Well, he's back," but I think he flew in. I was I, fl- I flew in at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I was in no shape to do, and I hadn't watched anything. I yeah. well, that's not entirely. True. Yeah, it's not true. I know it's not true. Yes, um, but like I just I was like I I won't be good for anything so. because me and Brad that um, day you went to the drive-in. Um, that Thursday I went and saw Jurassic World and I told him I was going to see Jurassic World on Thursday because my wife was working Friday and Saturday. So I had to watch my little boy. Yeah. And I said, so I'm going to go see it Thursday night. And he said, Oh, I want to go see it too. And then, um, I said, cool. So I said, I'm seeing it at the mills at is like 10, 15. Mm -hmm. And I, I got this, I got all these replies. It's like my, uh, one of our tweets was retweeted. I'm like, I didn't tweet anything. And I looked and it was a picture um, of Mad Max or it was just a picture of the drive-in and and something about summer movies, Mad Max, blah, blah. And I was like, motherfucker, Brad, he told me he's going to go see Jurassic World with me. And he's tweeting pictures of of going to see Mad Max at the drive-in. Yeah. Again. And then he, he tweeted me. He's like, dude, what drive-in are you at? I'll meet you there. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought that was you. Oh, um, no. But it was, it was, was James because I actually pulled up the tweet and it then it said Ohio on it. And then I yeah. realized it was you. And you went there with your cousins, correct? Yeah. I, I, went, uh, I went with... My cousin and uh, two of his daughters and one of his sons, and then my my uncle. Um, well, actually, my uncle only stayed through San Andreas, um, and then had to go. We were we were going to drive down to Kentucky, so I mm-hmm. okay. So let me back up. So my mom's whole side of the family is in Cincinnati, so I went out there because I just needed a week to like take a step back. And um, so the next day, uh, my aunt and uncle and I and two of my cousins. Um, we're going to drive through Kentucky and just have a nice little drive. We went to Harlan to nice. visit where, you know, Justified is set, um, which is a terribly sad little town. They're so poor Probably. they can't even take advantage of the fact that they have a show set in their town. Um, but it was really cool. It was a beautiful part of the country if you're ever driving through Kentucky. You know, I try to tell yeah. people that that area where it's it's considered the south, but it's more like mid-south. Kentucky, yeah. Tennessee, Ohio, th- those areas right there are beautiful. Oh, yeah. So green. Yes. Th- I think that's when people picture the South, they picture like Mississippi swamp houses or something, oh, yeah. you know, but that area is beautiful. So we, we, the second day we were in Kentucky as we were driving back, 
like my big goal, the thing I really wanted to do was I wanted to go through um, this little town in sort of northeastern Kentucky called Vanceburg, um, which is is where my great grandfather's farm was, because mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to find it. I'd seen pictures and I'd heard about it a lot, but I was like, I want to, I want to find it. So we drove around looking for it, and we didn't find it until just after dark. And you know how in video games. Um, like you'll you'll find like the the treasure chest, mm-hmm. and it'll have like this magical aura, and it'll be like sure. sparkling and stuff like that. So I fucking kid you not, we go to this, we find the field, we drive past. His barn is still there. Uh, his outhouse is still there. Sweet. Um, we drive back behind it. I get out of the car, and it's dark at this point. Um, but just barely, like it, the sun just went down, and there are thousands of fireflies in this awesome. field it was like it was like i had found uh. exactly <laughs> like you got to play that sound effect of of opening the treasure chest from from zelda uh, from zelda because that's what it's, it felt like that's awesome um it was really cool um anyway hey, so did you just got there on your own accord your mom and dad didn't go yeah. with you, you just yeah i just that's i just fun. wanted to go and you know uh i i actually have a comic book for this week Sweet. because i read some comics while Very i was out cool. there um and anyway so we were taking that trip the next day so my uncle only watched San Andreas to, you know, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. he didn't stay for Mad Max. Um, one of my cousins slept through the whole movie, through Mad Max, I mean, um, just because she, like, fell asleep when it started, and I don't know how. It was it was a kind of a cool experience, though, because it's been a long time since I was at a drive-in, and so now, you know, you, you tune in on the radio. So we had my, my cousin's, like, big truck, mm-hmm. and it had really good sound. Um and that was, you know, it it was actually pretty decent. We were a little too far away. Like, I don't think it was, especially for a movie like Mad Max, I don't think it was the best way to experience it because you want to be, like, up close mm-hmm. so you can really see you can the feel details. It. Yeah. Um, but I, I think if you were watching, like, the like the movie we saw tonight or any of, just a, a regular family movie or something like that, uh, I think it would be a, it's I still a cool experience. I think that picture you took of, like, the opening shot of Mad Max yeah. with the black background, it looks pretty sweet. <laughs> it was pretty cool, yeah. yeah. And I think if we had not, parked as far back as we had mm-hmm. you know you could probably you could get close enough that it would have been fine yeah um but you know but it's still cool. like an experience to drive in you're in the heartland of america yeah yeah it was you a know. it was a fun trip very cool well yeah. glad to have you back thank you i glad to be back especially there were so i was listening to the podcast mm-hmm. as i was gone uh, i haven't heard last week's yet but um there were a couple times where I was like, I was furious. I was like, furious? I, I, I have to chime in on this. Like, I can't believe that they are discussing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and I know, of course, I should have written them all down and like came back with this long list of like, we have to redo these conversations so that I can chime in on them because it's completely unacceptable that you guys have these opinions. Um, <laughs> you don't remember was, about what we had our opinions no, about? I, some of them, like I called in about the whole Tron thing. Yeah. Where, like Brad was telling you like, yeah, I think you'll like it. I'm like, no, dude, Brad will, Brian will love Tron Legacy. Well, like, afterwards, because I asked him about that, and he yeah. said that I don't like a lot of his recommendations, <laughs> and I, I don't remember ever not liking something he told me to. Maybe Father's Day. Well, yeah. Um, but nobody likes Father's Day. That movie's a piece of shit. But I, I rewatched like Kobo with a shotgun because uh-huh. I got it for a dollar at Trades Mart. And I said maybe it's worth a dollar. And when I watched it a second time, it was better than the first time I watched yeah. it. Maybe because I understood it better. The, the difference is he made Hobo with a Shotgun his number one movie of the year. Yeah. Like you just can't live up to that. Yeah. You know? Um, um but yeah, uh yeah, so uh Tron Legacy is on the way. I good. I, I have all those points on my Disney movie rewards. Mm-hmm. So I got the three D version for free. Well for 
20 Disney movies, but you know, I, it's on its way. So it should be here next, this week sometime. Yeah. They say it takes like four to six weeks, but I usually get it in like two weeks. Mm. Um, so I have it coming. And I do want to make sure that it's cleared up that I think there's probably only a 75% chance I even see the Point Break remake. Um, yes. <laughs> I wasn't saying that I thought it looked amazing. I was just, surprised that it didn't just look like a normal remake of it looked Point like Break. a piece of shit to me it it doesn't look great <laughs> no it looks horrible it and, yeah and, and you're and, and here the thing too james is um point break isn't as good as you think it is That's, no point break is not an amazing no no hold on i mean remember the scene where keanu reeves is in like his captain's office holding a surfboard yes yes sir of course i do <laughs> no i i disagree with you point break is amazing in that it is a movie where a guy goes undercover as a surfer to stop bank robbers like <laughs> okay. the premise itself explains to you that it is, is a dumb piece of shit it's the same reason why the fast and the furious is like fun and stupid all at the same time because it's also just point break i, I do like that his name is johnny utah though yeah right it's so <laughs> dumb oh my gosh and like gary Busey is like living in this malibu house with all these cop friends like mm-hmm. we've got a bunch of government money to send keanu reeves out to learn how to surf like <laughs> what the fuck is this like it's so dumb. i will say point point break is one of those fun movies that you watch yes. you know what i mean it's yes, not exactly um, it's like uh swayze's roadhouse where it's totally yeah. stupid but it's still fun to watch 100 percent um, but if you're wondering what we're doing instead of just talking about us every yeah. week, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week we saw Disney Pixar's Inside Out. And wait, wait, it's not Disney's Pixar's Marvel's the the Inside <laughs> Out. No. Oh, um, okay. We also talk about movie news, uh, stuff we've been watching. James has a comic book this week. I think I've had a comic book every week for the last six months. <sighs> so I- I'm excited. No, there was one where you made me pick one. Oh, that's right. Um. <laughs> So yeah, we just do a movie podcast. Um, yeah. I, I, I told you before, I'm going to change the box office thing. Cool. I'm going to start doing the box office predictions for this week. Ooh, because I like that. Because I realized after we, because last week we actually, because we recorded the show on Sunday, we knew Jurassic World was going to be the biggest movie True. opening ever. So yeah. we decided to include that. And then I said, you know what? Everybody's going to know what the numbers are by the time this podcast comes out. Yeah. So I'm going to start doing predictions because um, the Hollywood Reporter actually runs updates all day long on hmm. the, how much money movies are going to make. Interesting. And they've gotten so good at projecting movies that they're pretty much spot on. I remember they projected Jurassic World to do 207 and ended up doing like 208. So. And you are like... You're bizarrely good at remembering all I know, isn't these that things, weird? so I have a feeling that you will be really good at this game. Isn't that weird? Um, I don't know why I remember shit like that. I, I don't either. I because I, I it's never been a thing. Even when I was like, even when I was one of those people who one of the things I've lost as we've done this podcast is I can't give I can't ever tell you when a movie comes out. I have no idea. Really? If you ask me what the release date of a movie was, I'm like, I have, I have no fucking clue. Because I know we're going to go to a movie every week. Yeah. So it I doesn't so. matter to me anymore. Yeah. So it's almost like, with the exception of like the Avengers or movies you maybe really Mad see. Max, like something I'm really looking forward to. But mm-hmm. even movies, like I really want to see Mission Impossible 4 mm-hmm. or 5, five. right? I have no idea. I, dude, did you want to see? I, I want to see uh, July thirty first. See, so, I have no clue. Dude, I want to see the marathon. Oh yeah, I was seeing the trailer today when we were before we saw Inside Out at the Elmo. I'm like, oh man, I want to see all those movies again. Okay, Mission Impossible two is a great movie. As I'm as I was watching that, and I'm seeing those clips where like clips of the action scenes, and then Anthony Hopkins, Anthony fucking Hopkins is in that movie, mm-hmm. and he's got that awesome line about this isn't Mission Difficult. Yeah, Mission Dif- Difficult should be a I walk don't, in the I park don't, for you. Hey, oh. I'm going. Guess good news, uh, real nerds listeners. Uh, next week, I will be finishing 
my Tom Cruise a thon. Really? Because a Vanilla Sky is coming out on Blu ray special edition June thirtieth. There you go. So on June thirtieth, I'll have watched every single Tom Cruise movie. And what's great about Tom Cruise movies is every single one except losing it is on Blu ray. Because I actually got taps on DVD at a secondhand store here in Denver called Second Spin. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll get it on DVD. And I just so happened because I buy so many Tom Cruise stuff on Amazon. Uh, two weeks ago, I, my recommendations, taps, was on Blu-ray. I didn't even know. Yeah. So I didn't watch it on DVD. I ordered it on Blu-ray and I traded it in at Tradesmart. And uh, so I got to crack that one open. Uh, to give people a little um, insight to what I have left, I have The Outsiders. Interview with a Vampire. I, I've seen both of those, but I'm going to rewatch them. Yeah. Um, uh, Taps, Vanilla Sky, and Lions for Lambs. So those are my last oh, God. Tom Cruise movies. Um, I'm still in the camp that he doesn't has doesn't make a bad one. I'm waiting for it. Uh, all right. I, you know, I've never seen Lions for Lambs. I've heard it's very slow moving. Okay. But it has Robert Redford, Meryl Streep, and Tom Cruise. I, and I love all those people. So... I we'll have that was see. during that period of time where Hollywood was making a lot of movie where they were really trying to say something and they were trying so damn hard. Yeah. And it was frustrating as hell. Um, actually, I'm going to, because you haven't been here for a few weeks. Sure. Um, we do have fan mail that I'll get to. Cool. In fact, I think this fan mail is like the most spot on fan mail we've ever gotten. Uh, I love this fan mail. Um, but I, I was going to, because you weren't here, I, I finally saw men, women and children. <gasps> And I talked about it last week, but you haven't listened to the episode. I haven't. Um, because here's the thing is I, I refuse to get DVDs now. If there's a Blu-ray available, I'll get the Blu-ray. Yeah, me too. Um, but Men, Women, and Children, because it's a little indie film, for some reason, it's always like $24 on Amazon. Yeah. And That's why I don't own it. So the uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, I was at Target and I wanted to get um, – I haven't watched it yet, but I really wanted the SpongeBob movie. For some reason, I haven't seen it, but every time I see a trailer for it, I laugh. Okay. And so Target had a like a collectible cover, and it was like seventeen ninety nine on Blu ray. And I'm like, well, if okay. I make um, twenty bucks in tips at my job, I'm going to just go pick it up. And yeah. I made like forty eight that day, so I was like, cool. So I go there and I see the cute little SpongeBob, like the it's a slip cover of just SpongeBob. I'm like, oh, that's a cute cover. So I got it, and I have a, a son now, so maybe he'll watch it too. Sure. And so I, I always do this. I said, I'm going to go to the drama section, and I'm just going to see if they have men, women, and children. And they probably won't. I went there. It was fifteen dollars. So, dude. So I picked cool. it up. This uh, is it Target. Target. Um. So I I picked it up based on your recommendation. I think it was your number ten film from last year. Uh. Overall. Yeah. yeah was I think it 10? so. Yeah. I think it was, it was. Um. It was ten or eight, like somewhere in the highs. And so Brad didn't see it. So when I was trying to talk to him about it, he was just nodding his head, saying, "Okay, you yeah. know, like, okay, that sounds interesting." Yeah. Um. But I have to say, it is maybe one of the most complex relationship movies I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) And you know me, I normally don't like movies like this. But if the acting is good and I connect with the writing, then I I love the film. And the thing with uh, Jason Reitman is I always connect with him. And the thing with this film is, is it's not an easy film to watch. Nope. The people in it are not good people. Uh, Some of them. I should. I should clarify that. I don't want to. T- I don't want to pass too much judgment on them. Mm. I. I think that there are some of them who are very misdirected, mm-hmm. um, and very confused. Okay. You know. I. I don't think that there is something like at their core that is like mean or. Oh no no cruel. no. No. Like they're certainly not. Like when I think of people being bad people, I think of them as being cruel okay, or malicious me, towards uh, making. Immoral choices. I think they are broken human beings. Mm. Yeah. But it, this is how the strength of this film is J.K. Simmons is in it and he's only in like three scenes and he's amazing. Yeah. 
his scene where he's with his daughter after she has um, a failed pregnancy because she has anorexia uh, is just devastating. Oh, my God. And he does that without saying very much. And actually, my favorite scene in the movie is um, actually it, it's both. There's two of them it involves both are Adam Sandler scenes. And when he finds out his wife has been cheating on him on that website where you meet up to cheat mm-hmm. um, and he goes to the the bar with his wife and she's laughing, having a good time and he orders a drink and he just takes a drink and he looks at her and she's like heartbroken and he just leaves without saying yeah. a word, without yeah. saying a word. And then the next scene is her trying to apologize to him and he says, you know, we've all done bad things. We can sit here and hurt each other or you can just tell me how you want your eggs. And I'm, it's so devastating and so... But here's the thing is they were It's kind of a heartwarming moment. It is because he's he's guilty too. Yeah, that's what I mean cuz you know they did this little I think where some people maybe didn't get this film is they do this little throwaway. I don't know if it's a throwaway, but they did a montage where they're both happy because they're both fulfilling. He's, you know, yeah. meeting someone online. She is meeting someone online. Um and everybody's happy with what they're doing and the story of the kid who doesn't want to be the football player anymore and now all of a sudden he his dad doesn't like him and um, and his mom won't do, left him. You know, it's just a really complex film, mm-hmm. and it's really well done. I mean, that, that's why I, I think I said when I when we did the top ten that like it's the only movie that that year that I I watched it, and then the next morning I watched it again mm-hmm. because there's so much going on there, and I I need to own it so I can watch it more times mm-hmm. because it is it's a challenging movie. It is. It is not something that you're going to walk away with and say. I know what you were trying to say. And that's what I've always loved about Jason Reitman. He's been very, and I've said this countless times on the show about him. He's been very open about the fact that he makes movies that ask questions he doesn't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. And this is very clearly one where by the time he was done making the movie, he still doesn't know the answer. No, And I, um, I think that's true for life though. I mean, yeah. I, you know, you never want to make the mistakes these people make in this film, but you see the, there is no answer. I mean, um, Jennifer Garner plays a mom that's so hell bent on making sure that her protecting her daughter, but by doing that, she's actually not protecting her at all. Oh yeah, and um, she's stifling her. Yeah, right. Like, and like there's that, that great girl scene has no too. Life. I don't know. I love the scenes where no one talks. I guess mm-hmm. there, there's that scene where um, the the boy because his dad wants nothing to do with him, and Jennifer Garner steals his girlfriend's phone and says, you're a loser. I forget what exactly what she mm-hmm. says to him. Yeah. And so he tries to kill well, she, himself. She tells him like, you know, look, yeah. I, I realize that like I'm way better than you and I don't exactly. need you. And, yeah, like, and so he tries to kill himself. He's saved because that girl goes to his house and then she's just like snuggling up to him and making sure he's okay. Mm. And Jennifer Garner like crying and realizing that she's totally hurt her daughter is an amazing emotional scene. And I, I had an emotional connection to that movie. Um, so it was really good. So um, you had nothing to be worried about, sir. It's a, it's a good film. I, yeah. I, I don't know that I was terribly worried. I think if, yeah, for me, it's like, yeah, like that moment is just, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it's nice to see a movie where both joy and happiness can make amazing moments in your life. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'm going to mention a couple things real fast. Sure. Um, no, <laughs> we, we brought the podcast down with men, women, and children, but you should definitely pick up the film. If you, yeah. I, I say you can, um, get it on Amazon. I think you can rent it for like two ninety nine. It's, it's um, not, it's not for everyone. No, it like, definitely not. It, yeah. 
This is I guess we should that, put a little asterisk on there. Yeah, like this is a movie that starts with like people watching very explicit porn and like yeah, there's a lot of stuff in but, this movie. So but just it's complicated and great. Into. Yeah. Oh, dude, what about the scene where the girl says she had sex with the boy and they didn't have sex? And yeah, oh, dude, oh it's yeah, so good. no, it, um, it's really good. I need to watch that movie again. Um, so I'm going to mention a, a I'm few so, things. I'm so glad that's on my top ten. Yeah, like, it, it is be. one where like I look back at it and was like, that was one of those where because sometimes I worry that there are indie movies that either I missed or mm-hmm. that I I saw them once and I didn't really appreciate sure. it enough. And that was one that I just barely snuck in. Seeing I had not talked about it on the show before my top Mm-mm. ten list because I watched it the week we were doing yeah. it. Yeah, and I was so grateful that i had because i mm-hmm. look back at it and just go like that was one i was clearly gonna miss and, and that's not talk about you know that that's here. uh for people who've never listened to our podcast before that's a james movie it's a very character driven oh, yeah. um very well written um i'm just gonna mention a few things real fast um geek fuel is a mystery box from yeah. Co- from colorado so make sure you log on to geekfuel.com i think it's 30 dollars, and they send you a 60 dollar box cool. um, they gave me a sample one at comic-con and every month they have a new theme um at, when I was at Comic Con, the theme was um, superhero teams, and so it came with an Avengers shirt, but Ninja Turtles. So all the Ninja Turtles are dressed as Avengers. Cool. I got a cool coffee mug that had lockers, like the Breakfast Club, but mm. it would be like Spider Man's locker, a Captain America. Um, it comes with a game. It came with candy. Um, it's just a really cool thing. So geekfuel.com, make sure you pick up there. Um, you can now buy three day passes for Telluride Horror number six, Ooh. um, which, um, we're going to try to be a part of this year. You um, know, d- did you listen to the interview I did? It's great. Oh my gosh. The, when he said, I didn't realize that spring was there last year. Mm-hmm. I about wanted to choke him. Like, I was like, why did I let Ryan have a baby? Like, mm-hmm. that stupid kid kept us from going to Telluride. But, but the good news is, is, did you see the email that we got from them to keep in touch? Um, oh, because, yeah. No, um, we definitely have to try to go so, this year. So, uh, if we go this year, you guys will have to head up before me. I have to, I have my law enforcement academy. Okay. Um, but I will head up you afterwards. It's all right. But I will head up afterwards, yeah. I promise. Um, because it's, I actually really missed it. Yeah. I, I really too. missed it. Because here's the thing with Telluride Horror. Um, you can get the three day passes now, TellurideHorror.com. Make sure you get the three-day passes. You will, I'm telling you, you will meet legends. We did an interview with Phil Tippett. Phil Tippett, if you're watching Jurassic World, like, oh, that's awesome. Phil Tippett worked on Jurassic Park with stop-motion animation, and they took his stop-motion animation and made it computer. And um, yeah. we had an interview with that guy. Yeah. Um, and we met him at Telluride Horror. He flipping Star Wars. Yeah. Like, he He's won Academy childhood. Awards. Yeah, like... Yeah, he's worked and, with Spielberg on so many movies, and and it, at that con- at that show, it's he's a guy that you can just like you can just walk up to and talk and to say him. hi. And, and here's the thing: is I'll never forget talking to him because um, I heard he was there, and I talked to uh, the people that um, organized the event, and they said, "Oh, Phil Tippett's here." You know, he's showing Mad God, and I said, "Oh, cool." You know, whatever. It's a festival. I'll go watch it, and I went and watched it, and then afterwards, he did a little Q and A, and he was kind of standing in the corner, and I said, "You know what?" When is it, am I ever going to get a chance to ask him to be on my show? Yeah. And I walked up to him and there's always that fear. And even though we've never really had anybody turn us down. Yeah. Um, the only person that has is because he had another podcast he was doing. And I understand. Yeah. I understand that stuff. You hit, um, sometimes celebrities have contracts and they can't do things. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so I walked up to him. I'm really nervous. Says, oh, Mr. Tippett, you know, you're such an icon. Do you mind being on our show? He says, yeah, I'll do it right now. And he literally walked from the theater with me downstairs to our booth. Mm-hmm. And recorded with us for 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, and we got to get talk to Paul Salmon again. And we just have um, great connections there. And I love Telluride because you can pick up the battery, which is the first world premiere we saw there. Now is a Scream Factory release, which is a wonderful DVD, a uh, Blu-ray. You can pick up Delivery, The Beast Within at any Walmart is on DVD. Mm-hmm. So Telluride Horror, I'm 
I think the three day passes are one hundred and twenty dollars, but it gets you into every showing, and they have in two theaters movie showing all day long for yeah. three straight days and i mean you'll see some not good ones some funny ones some great ones um but the festival itself is so amazing because everyone is so nice and the town is beautiful yeah um it, it's just something you have to do it's hard to beat because it's like even if you're there and you're like you know uh you know what i don't want to go see like whatever this movie is you can just stand out on the street and beat and tell you right and it's gorgeous like and meet famous people it's an easy excuse like there's no yeah. reason not to go and i, I i'm also going to mention our good buddy uh, jonathan Tearson will be appearing at mile high horror again cool. Mile high horror is the first weekend of october at the alamo draft house they have some passes still available kane hotter uh from friday the 13th and hatchet will be there i'm going to try to see if we can get him uh, on the show uh, this time. Um, and also, I don't know if I can tell you the exact day, but we will be at a film premiere this summer in July for a film called Driven. You can listen to the interview with Brian McNally from Denver Comic-Con, talk about the film. Um, we will be there uh, as press. We'll be broadcasting from there. We'll do interviews with the director and star, Tony Todd. Um, it'll be lots of fun. So I got that email this week. So um, a lot of stuff happening. Make sure that you hit that stuff up. Geekfuel.com, TellYourRideHorror.com, MileHighHorror.com. Um, and, you know, check check out our interviews because uh, we have a lot of great interviews from Denver Comic-Con um, up. And uh, here's one with Zach Howard was amazing that's really cool um, he's so awesome <laughs> and there's just times you know i i still uh at denver comic-con i was hugged by both alan tudyk <laughs> as i was leaving the stage and i was hugged by amanda connor so I, i'm on a roll at denver comic-con being hugged by celebrities you son of a bitch <laughs> um so it, it's it's uh it's been fun so make sure you check out that stuff um all those people we've mentioned have been wonderful people to us um and we love them yeah. so um make sure you check them out and now I'm going to do some more um, self-congratulate. Um, what am I trying to say here? Uh, we're going to get super masturbatory. Thank you. That's what we're going to do. When we open up fan mail. Fan mail! I really love that word, but every time I use it, I'm like, my mom's going to hear this episode, and then she's going to be like, gross, James. <laughs> well, you know. Sorry, Carl. <laughs> I, I, that's all i can say um, <laughs> your mom is a wonderful lady she is and you know what's funny is i always don't want her to think ill of me and i always say inappropriate things and then when i hear oh. that she doesn't like when i say inappropriate things it makes me sad yeah um i don't care the word masturbatory is a really good word it is um so this is from henry jarvis um relation to tommy jarvis i don't know i don't know that's the guy who killed jason for he's um Anyways, he says, hey, real nerds, I'm a longtime listener who recently got the balls to actually send some fan mail. Uh, you know, we're not that big, you know, always send us fan mail. <laughs> yeah, feel free um, at any time. My drive to and from school work is around an hour long, and I often listen to film podcasts to fill that time. That's rough. And I have to say that you guys are the most entertaining film podcast. We know. Yes. And Thank here's you. Th this next part. When I read this, when I got the email, I'm like, this is the most accurate description of us I've ever heard. Hold on. There, uh, let me just forecast. There's a thing he's going to say here in a moment that made me basically want to stand up and go, like I was running for president. Like I was so excited. Anyway, go ahead. You guys are my go-to for the fact that you guys don't all have the same taste in movies, which leads to a wide range of film recommendations, critiques. I totally agree. Um, where I think I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Ryan with his love of Hollywood films and doesn't put up with pretentious bullshit from indie films. Yes. That's where me and Robert Downey Jr. are the same. Um, <laughs> 
than James, who loves said indie films, and Brad, with his intense critical thinking to all films and res- residential art house fan. Yeah. Um, or, you know, pretentious bullshit. Um, <laughs> I think that's the most accurate description of us ever. Yeah, we're going to steal that and make that our tagline. Right. The mixture of the three of you gives the type of conversations that podcasts like Slash Film and others lack. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know how I feel That's about Slash one. Film. God damn it. Jermaine Lucier. Uh, I just wanted to throw out how much you guys make my life so much more entertaining and help me see the other side of an argument. Keep up the good work. Dude, I, I also want to throw really sweet. I also want to throw out there that Slash Film, I adored that podcast for a long time. And the fact that it's gone downhill is actually why I wanted to start this one. So to be fair. But, uh, don't be fair. Yeah, Fuck that's them. really nice. That's um, really, really because nice. Because so their much. articles are so slanted and opinionated oh, that yeah. it's horrible. Well, except for the ones written by written by Peter Serretta, which are really great. But articles. he only writes them like once a month, and well, yeah. it's always about how cool Star Wars is. He owns, he owns the <laughs> site. He only has to do so much. Yeah. Um, on a different note, I'm a Denver-based filmmaker, and I'm in the middle of production of my feature film. Cool. I would love to come on the show and talk about it and take part in conversations I love so much. Okay. Good news. Um, I've been in contact with Henry, and he is going to be on our next week's episode for TED, too. Very cool. Um, so, Henry, we will lock down the time. He wants to see it at the Alamo. Um, so we'll figure Good, out a time. I'm not going anywhere else. Right. We'll figure out a time we can do that. I understand if you don't want me on the show, but it would mean a lot to me if I could be on the show or just let meet you guys in person. Yeah. For the record, I don't understand why I wouldn't want you on the show. Yeah, we we uh, <laughs> we like people on the show. Yeah. Uh, we we have a wide we've always had a wide variety of filmmakers, and we love it when it's Denver. Yeah. Um. You said I was busy with production, so I couldn't go to 2015 Comic Con. I was too nervous to say anything in 2014, so I awkwardly passed by your booth five times, making awkward eye contact. That's embarrassing. Just come on up. Come <laughs> come on up. You, if you want, you can hug me. Alan Tudyk has hugged me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if Alan Tudyk's con- comfortable doing it. Yeah. And uh, uh, Kevin Conroy took our T-shirt and said fuck yeah to me so you know what <laughs> i'm approachable yeah. um anyways keep up the good work waiting for a weekly episodes become a struggle in my personal life recently uh the best struggle i ever had you know what a nice that's cool that's um, really cool yeah yeah so we're excited to see to have henry on next week um and he'll talk about his film yeah any, and, anybody who wants to blow smoke up our ass is more than welcome to come on our show and yeah. promote the thing that they do or if you just want to come on the show, we, I, I really like having guests on the show because yeah. it always gives us a new perspective. Yeah. And sometimes their opinions are better than ours. Um, like mm. Steve from Alamo and Kendall from Alamo. Um, they come on and, you know, they're, they have better, yeah. they, they articulate sometimes better than we do. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much, Henry. Uh, if you ever see us out and about in our real nurture, please just talk to us. Um, yeah. no one picked that up. My, yeah, if you if you yeah. just if you just swing yeah. the mic around your head, Ryan, nobody can fucking hear you. So I just yeah, thank you is basically <laughs> what I'm trying to say. And uh, always come up and say hi to us, and you're always welcome on the show. Yeah. Um, we're very approachable. Um, we're literally doing this in my messy apartment. Yeah, like, right now we're just hanging deal. out in our apartment. Yeah. Um, everyone asks us my box full how of candy. we uh, it's awesome how we get how you do a podcast. Well, we hook up a laptop to a sound mixing board and we start talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how we do it. Well, first we push all the junk off of my dining room table. Yes. And then, <laughs> and then sometimes we have my son. Oh, <laughs> he was really cute last week. He was laughing at everything I was saying because he wanted attention. Yeah. And so then bugging really the cute. shit out of Brian. Yeah. So I kept on saying fuck and he was laughing. It was awesome. <laughs> um, oh no. But, uh, yeah, if that's his first word. You're going to be in trouble. That's gonna be awesome. I, I do that too. If, if, do you watch modern family? No. There's this great episode where the, uh, Cam and Mitchell have a daughter named Lily and she won't stop saying fuck. And so she starts saying it at a wedding that she's a flower girl at. It's really funny. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, please come say hi. If you see us at a booth, know that if you ever see us and we're recording and you want to be on the show, you can sit down and record. We just yeah. don't. 
not only do we interview Jeffrey Reddick and people like that, we will sit down and talk to you as well because we enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you come to Telluride Horror Show, like come into the that big room that we're in. Yeah. Like half down. the time we're just waiting for our next movie to start, so come in and talk to us. Yeah, because we, we're nothing without people who don't listen. Who We're nothing we're if nothing people don't listen. people to, who don't listen. Yeah, yep. <laughs> we are nothing without people who listen to the show, so make <laughs> sure uh, we appreciate everything you do. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So, yeah. So, thank you, Henry, and we look forward to meeting you and having you on the show. Um, His last name's cool. It is. Ugh, Jarvis. Jarvis. Um, yeah. So what do you want to do first, James? Um, let's, uh, let's do your, your new game. Oh, okay. This is the box office stats. So this is the projections for this weekend. So this is the weekend of June 19th. So let's review. So what all is coming out this week? So, um, Inside Out is coming. Right. Out. And so is Dope. Dope is the, uh... The small indie film that has a huge hit at Sundance, where the kids are kind of wrangled into dealing drugs or something like that. Uh, I so don't clearly the front runner. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't remember the the exact story behind the trailer, but it looked pretty funny. Okay. Um. So right now, um, Hollywood insiders are projecting Inside Out to debut at eighty four million dollars. Wow. Which is about twenty million more than they originally thought, um, because it's getting amazing reviews. Um, but it will not be enough to dethrone Jurassic World, as right now Jurassic World is on pace to make $108 million. Wow. For the second biggest weekend of all time. Sheesh. I I, I could not see that happening at the beginning of the year. Yeah. That... I mean, I wanted to see the movie, and I was really excited that it was coming out, but how it just captured people's imagination is wonderful. I actually, at the very last minute I did, because there was an article... Um that I was reading through about how, um, you know, Jurassic Park is actually really in, integral in the in the way that blockbuster movies are now mm-hmm. because it was the first movie where international sales for that film were actually higher than domestic, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, now is, like, the norm. Yeah. Um, but it meant that it started this trend that is now, you know, pervasive in mm-hmm. Hollywood where they started making movies too tailored to that international audience. Um, and there is, there's something about dinosaurs that just, they, they capture you there. You, I, I said it last week. At them. They're um, cool. James hasn't seen the film, so I won't spoil it. Yeah. I'm seeing it tomorrow, but there's a moment in that. Well, there's two, I can spoil the one because it's in the trailers. Yeah. One's Chris Pratt, when he's leading a pack of, of raptors to hunt, uh, Indominus Rex. I'm like, Oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Just something about it. Riding a motorcycle with raptors following you is cool to me. Yeah. And there's another scene. I won't spoil it because it's, um, at the, 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 the climax yeah. of the film. Um, but seeing stuff like that is really cool. Um, and right now, Dope is on pace to make about $6 million. So that's not bad for a little indie film from Sundance that kind of got a little play. Let me ask you this. Sure. Um, and this is spoilers, but I, I don't care. I want you to tell me. Mm-hmm. Is there a scene in Jurassic World that is obviously not comparable to, but along the same lines as the scene on the hill when they're all in the Jeeps and they look out and they see all the dinosaurs and they're like, mm-hmm. wow, this is magnificent. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Good. Having a conversation with uh, some friends at lunch today about... You know, there's this, there's that rule in Hollywood, the the ten page rule, where you're supposed to have a mm-hmm. an action scene every ten pages. Sure. Um, and what I was saying was that, you know, I, I think that there is the difference between the people who make big action movies that are pretty, you know, eh, mm-hmm. f- fine, 
but we can, now I can go home and completely forget about this. Mm-hmm. And your Steven Spielberg's, mm-hmm. your J.J. Abrams, is that that rule is is misnamed. The 10-page mm-hmm. rule is really, it's not about having an action scene every 10 pages. It's really about having 10 pages between action scenes. Mm-hmm. So even though it's detrimental in like in Star Trek where he gets he gets crash landed on that planet and then like the the Cloverfield monster pops up out of the snow and chases him for a minute mm-hmm. like that scene's only there because you needed an action scene like you just needed an action beat mm-hmm. but that movie's great because of all of the stuff yeah. in between the action scenes that is so solid I, and that is very true of Jurassic Park it's, I it's will say great. Jurassic World Bill's took Ascendo because cool um, it starts introducing characters yeah and I'm not and I said this in a review last week you know it's the characters aren't the greatest in it. Okay. But the thing is, is I don't care. Because to me, the part, when I see a Jurassic Park movie, is I want to see the dinosaurs. Yeah. I want to see hell break out. Um, they also have nice winks to the original Jurassic Park. Cool. Um, so yeah, so it starts, I'd, I'd, I'd say it's about 35, 40 minutes before dinosaurs really start showing up. Um, because they're building up the relationships. They're building up Chris Pratt. Yeah, there's like the raptors and stuff, but I mean, I'm talking about yeah, tension-filled ones. Right. Because what's cool about this film and I it's hard to talk about it with Brad because um Brad is so against these kind of films. Um there's a part where they're introducing Indominus Rex and uh Bryce Dallas Howard is talking to um the new CEO of Ingen or the guy who runs the park. Mm-hmm. And that Indominus Rex is kind of in the background and moving around. It's very Spielberg-y mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you know that monster's there, but he's not going to show it to you. He's just going to give little glimpses of it moving through the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're, it's building up to something. And then it finally breaks out. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so I really like stuff like that um, where, uh, you know, because even in Henry's, you know, letter to us is pretty much what I love about those movies Yeah, is and what Brad doesn't. Brad can't get he doesn't like. Um, the polish of it. He doesn't like the CGI. Where I I I mentioned this when I think when you were gone about San Andreas. I, I don't know when we got to a point where seeing a city being destroyed and it looks absolutely stunning, where you point out like, oh, that's fake. So I I, I don't like it because it, to me, when you watch old Godzilla movies and where you see where we are now, it's a cynical world. We live in a cynical world. See, so I heard you say that, and I disagree with you. Because I think it is about... But of course I do, right? Because for me, I'm going to come to it from a storytelling point of view, mm-hmm. where I'm going to say that the what you have to look at is the difference between San Andreas and... Um, uh, oh, shoot. What's that movie called? Uh, the Naomi Watts movie... The Impossible. Impossible. Yeah. It's a great movie. Um, it's a fantastic movie. Compare the tsunami in that movie to the tsunami in, in San Andreas. The tsunami in Impossible is far more impressive and and feels so real because of how they set up the story and those characters. Yeah, I agree, but too, them. but you're also talking about two different types of movies. I know I am. I know I am. But I mean from a from a a CGI sort of like appreciation point of view, I appreciate the CGI and irresistible more because it is utilized really well and it's not just Here's a big thing that I'm not connected to. Because for me, it's all about that connection. So 
I, I, yes, I, I yeah, understand you're what you're saying. I just, I come to it from that. I know, but that's what I mean because we get to a point where we see amazing dinosaurs on screen, and you're like, oh, well, CGI. So I don't care. I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't like that attitude because you're talking about people that spend tons of time doing it, and they make it look so real that it's fake. And you're just like, oh, well, whatever. No, yeah, I'm not but, saying you. I'm saying people in general where they criticize CGI. I will say that there are times when, you know, Jurassic still looks better than most big CGI I, movies. I think so, now. too. And part of that is because they knew when to use I've, big animatronics. I know, but here's the thing. is like, this is I've always said this. This is why Sam Raimi is a great director. If you watch the original Spider-Man yeah, you know when CGI happens, but he does a great job of cutting between the two. I agree. And I, so, um, but, but, but not everybody does. That's, I agree. that's right. Like, I agree. San Andreas is not a real great example of like knowing when, like knowing how to fool the audience because but, it's not, it doesn't care to. But see, the thing is though, there's that great scene in San Andreas. It is, are you going to talk about this, what we've been watching? Maybe we should. Yeah, talk of about course it. I'll talk about it. But, San Andreas, but you know, she's can. in that, um, restaurant and she's running from door to door and she's opening and it's falling apart and stuff. Like to me, that is really impressive. Oh yeah. It's a great sequence. Yeah. Um, it, since we're talking about it, that scene feels it, it, it's not quite this. If the director had gone any further with the one-shot stuff there, mm-hmm. it, it felt like it could have been a little distracting. Mm-hmm. It, it teeters on the edge of being like a kid playing with his dad's yeah. gun, like where he's like, hey, I can do this mm-hmm. big, flashy, distracting scene, and he does it so much that it's almost too But, But that's, that's unfair of me to say because I see that stuff, but most people don't. Mm-hmm. Most people are watching that scene, and they don't realize that it's a running one one long shot sure. and they're just affected by how cool it is that like that stuff is happening mm-hmm. um and it's a really impressive sequence like it it was probably really hard for them to do but um anyway i yeah it is really cool it yeah. is so anyway i still um, think it looks great it does so i'm I, i'm st- i stopped looking at movies with a cynical eye and it's not being cynical. yes it is yes no. it is no uh, what are we going to do next james uh let's do uh releases releases dvd releases and blu-rays i just ended the conversation that's fine that's fine because <laughs> it will be here for hours we will <laughs> and i i threw in a jerry Maguire moment there people didn't pick that up uh, so this week's really disappointing. Okay. Um, because this week, another franchise has decided to use the phrase quadrilogy, which I, I just hate. But if you want to, you can go pick up the Mission Impossible quadrilogy on Blu-ray. You should already own all four of these movies. Yeah. But... Uh, and I don't know. Now, it's hard because the, 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 the um, packaging on Is this. Is that the one where he's like hanging off the side of the building? Uh yeah um but the have you seen the when they did the trilogy where they're each I think you have mm-hmm. the same one I do where's that very solid mm-hmm. color it's just a really it's a really cool looking mm-hmm. case um I mean it doesn't have the second best Mission Impossible movie in there but actually I don't even I don't I don't even like that I said that I don't want to I don't want to let rank those movies we know it's cool about Mission Impossible to. and I I read an article about how Tom Cruise held his breath for six minutes and it's one take I I, I don't know how they're gonna do it in the movie but I. I'm was reading yeah. that it's for six minutes and he's underwater and they don't cut away. Yeah. I can't wait to see that shot. Oh man. Those but uh, really that's what's good. so cool about those movies is they're all different. You can get different experience from each one. The first one is your classic spy movie. Mm-hmm. Your second one is your classic action movie. Um, it's like over the top, like yeah. John Woo. The, the third one is about family and 
can you ever leave this life behind? The third one is about Philip Seymour Hoffman yelling at me. Yes. That's all I want. <laughs> and then the fourth one is just badass. Oh, my gosh. Those movies are, yeah. Yeah. They're Anyways, so good. I, I should mention, too. solid series. I forgot to mention that uh, Studio um, Ghibli released a bunch of Blu-rays hmm? last week, and I thought they were re-releases, but they're actually, like, never been released on Blu-ray, so that's my bad. Uh, yeah. And then... Um, the well, actually, this isn't Studio Ghibli, is it? Uh, Lupin the Third, The Castle of Cagliostro, is actually the number one Blu-ray for this week. Um, so I don't know what that is. Uh, and there's a collection called 3D Rarities, um, which I th- I think is just a whole bunch of like old 3D films, which is kind of interesting. Um, the Fisher King, the Robin Williams movie, is getting a Blu-ray, Criterion, right? uh, yeah, Criterion edition this week. Um, and Criterion's also re- releasing a movie called The Bridge that I don't know anything about it looks foreign um the island of dr moreau um the burt lancaster one um is coming out i always love that cover mm-hmm. it's just it's really awesome cool. uh with a face that turns into a monster it's or like a dog thing um speaking of dog things dog soldiers yeah it's a great it's, it's, it's a really cool scottish horror film yeah and it gets I, a scream factory treatment mm-hmm. that's always a good thing i picked up the uh the Mad Max, the first Mad Max mm-hmm. Scream Factory today. I had a really hard time trying to decide which cover I wanted to be. Yeah. Cover. See, the thing is, is I always leave the slip cover as I said the collector's edition art, and then oh. I always flip them. I think that's what I just, I ended up doing. I always do it. Um, <laughs> I'm such a dork. I, I, I just, part of it is I really love that old, because it's the, it's the cover where it's like, he almost looks like a, like, uh, like he's in some kind of futuristic suit or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's got like the helmet oh, yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it looks like concept art. It doesn't really look like it's based on the movie at all. Um, which I always love when, when movies have that kind of art. Like if you go back to like Forbidden Planet or something like that, where yeah. the cover actually looks nothing like what's actually in the movie. <laughs> um, uh, Sugar Hill is getting a Blu-ray release this week as well as Workaholic season five. Um, I tried watching that show not too long ago. It was it was all right. Yeah, it's all right. I just didn't I didn't get sucked into it. Um, uh, there's some Carol King. There's a movie called Contamination, which has a pretty badass looking cover. There, look at look at look at that. There's like it's oh, yeah, that's cool. Actually, oh, dude, oh yeah. it's an alien egg. Actually, this arrow is there's an old horror film from the 80s called Society. Yeah, and it actually had such a cool original cover art is this lady was peeling off her face. Ooh. And so I got their collector's limited edition one and it comes in this really sweet like melty face cover. Is I think the Blu-ray case is clear. Too. Yeah, and the, the Society one is too and you pull it out and you can flip it to like the old face peel off and it came with like a 35-page book about the movie. Wow. So it's a really cool um well, that's cool. Arrow Video also makes really cool like cult movie Blu-rays. Neat. Well, that's a pretty cool one. Um Van Damme's uh Pound of Flesh. <laughs> Asked Brad about that and he said his parents saw it and they said it wasn't very good. I th- surprise. Mhm. So, okay. Um, anyway, I think that's probably it. Uh, unless you care about Tromeo and Juliet <laughs> or Ryan Gosling's Young Hercules. Actually, it's cool. I was at uh, Tradesmart last yeah. week, and I guess they had two used Criterions there, and one was Alfred Hitchcock's Foreign Correspondence. Cool. And the other one was Alfred Hitchcock's The Man Who Knew Too Much. Oh. So I got both of those, and I paid $20 for two Criterion Alfred Hitchcock films. So uh, I haven't watched them yet, but I'm really excited about it. That's pretty cool, but it's not as cool as Lust of the Dead 5. Holy cow. There's, I, I don't know. There's one, two, three, or four. I don't know. that. Are there zombies? Wait a second. This woman's a genie. 
she's got she's only a torso. <laughs> she's got fire coming out of her abdomen, and her Looks arms like a are Japanese cut off. Movie. What the hell is happening? Uh, and that's just Japanese Jill Valentine. Yeah. Um, nice. I don't know. What, is that a ghost? It's like a sparkly yeah. ghost. All right. Lust of the Dead. Uh, all right. So five. check out check out Lust of the Dead if you're... Five. Well, yeah, five. Yeah. <laughs> Skip all the other ones. I hear the first four are really just build up. You got to cut right to the chase. Anyway. Cool. cool. Oh. It's at the same time. We did. Hey, hey. Can we do comics? Yeah. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. Uh, so while I was out of town, um, I got a chance to actually, I've, I've had it for a while, um, but I hadn't got a chance to read it yet. I ordered the hardback edition of, or the hardback first version of Fatal, Mm -hmm. um, which is a, an Ed Brubaker story, uh, with art by Sean Phillips. And art's amazing in it. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Have you ever read it? I haven't. But oh, okay. The covers I, always were striking. Yeah, um, and I'll lend it to you because it's really cool. cool. Um, so basically, it tells the story of the the first. So the the hardback is is two basically two trade paperbacks, right? So the first arc is like a thirties forties noir story, Sweet. like a dire- like a detective story. Um, where basically there's some, there's these cult killings going on, um, where these cult members are like disemboweling people and, um, and it's all set. It's also bookended with a story in, in what I think is sort of the modern day or maybe the eighties, something like that. Something very, a a lot sooner, Mm -hmm. um, with this guy who he gets saved from this, uh, he basically, he inherits his house. He goes to the house and He's doing some research on this guy who I think he's it's like his grandfather or something like that. Um, and these guys show up and try to kill him and he gets saved by this woman. And then he wakes up and like in the hospital after this car crash and he's he's lost a leg. But he's like fascinated with like what happened? Like what? Why did this happen? And this is like a quick like three page little thing. And then it goes into this noir story. So it tells this noir story about these these cult killings and you've got these detectives trying to figure it out and all the while there is this woman um who you 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 don't quite understand what her deal is um but you very he very subtly starts to work in these hints that her name is Josephine that Josephine has some kind of like magical power or something weird is going on with Josephine and and it's really disorienting at first, um, but there's these lines because it's written like a noir, so you're mm. hearing the thoughts of That's these awesome. guys, and you're here. You've got this narrator, and he's telling you like that these characters who have seen Josephine or have had conversations with Josephine can't stop thinking about her, and she seems to be able to tell people to do things, and they they have to do it. Hmm. Um, and basically, what you start to realize is that there is something. Like she is either cursed or like something has gotten into her that is somewhat magical. Um, and basically what you start to reveal is that something happened in like the, in her early life and that she basically doesn't age. Um, and she's going around. 
<laughs> it's exactly like Age of Adeline. <laughs> yeah. It's super romantic and no, it's fucking not at all. Um <laughs> she's this guy that she w- was in love with when he was much younger is now older and now she's sort of she's sort of imprisoned by him um and he's one of the detectives and she's got this this really rough sort of love triangle going on with this other guy who's younger that she also knows if she falls in love with him or if he falls in love with her I should say he's probably going to end up dead hmm. um and meanwhile they're trying to figure out this whole mystery with these these demons and there's something going on where they're clearly out they're they're after her like she poses a a serious threat to them um and i don't want to i don't want to start giving away too many spoilers it's a really it's a fairly simple story told really well that really digs into those characters and makes you um makes you want to sort of keep reading um the the story about the cult and what that cult is and who's leading it and all of that is what carries on um it's kind of like american vampire in that when that first story arc is is over, it jumps forward in time, mm. and so the next story is taking place more in the fifties. And uh, Joe has basically become reclusive, and it's more about these actors who are trying to they're trying to break into this party scene. And there's this, sure enough, this sort of cult starts working its way back into this. Like it, it feels very um, eyes wide shut, you know. Oh, cool. Um, and it's just it's a pretty neat series. Um, the, <laughs> my biggest problem is that the uh, it's an image book, and the the hardback is a really beautiful hardback edition. It's slightly oversized. Um, it's just really nice. It, it reminds me of the 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 nice IDW hardbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is they've owned. I, I think the whole book is done. It's out in trades. I think the first five trades. But the second hardback's not out yet. <laughs> so I have this really rough decision, and I even did it when I was in Cincinnati because I, when I was done reading it, I went to the Barnes & Noble because I thought, if they have it in trade paperback, I might just buy the trades and then replace it with hardbacks. Sure. Um, but at this point, I might just wait until those hardbacks come out. But um, it's a really beautiful book. The yeah, Like you said, the art by Sean Phillips is really cool. Um, so I think it's totally worth checking out if you go to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. I'm sure either he's going to have the hardback or he's going to have the trades either way, and you're going to get it, you know, twenty percent off. So, Heck yeah, um, it's really cool. I'll have to lend it to you because it's cool. Great. I love Brew Baker. Yeah, yeah. One oh, of my yeah. favorite stories he ever wrote was he did the first arc of Captain America, kind of mm-hmm. got him uh, volume five, it got him back on the map. But my favorite story he wrote, I forget, I think it's issue ten, and it's whatever happened to the Nomad, and it talks about the Winter Soldier who like assassinated him hmm. but the nomad is like depressed and um he's like a recluse and he's living by himself and you feel start feeling sorry for him and at the end he gets shot by the winter soldier it's a really cool story it's a little one shot that um, it's it's a great story interesting that's cool yeah. uh yeah i really like him yeah. i haven't read a lot i mean i've read winter soldier and some of his stuff but this really made me feel like oh okay i, cool. sh- I should follow a lot more brubaker stuff yeah he's good yeah Cool. We watched this stuff this week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. We did. We watched. Uh, I didn't watch too much. I, I'm so busy right now. It sucks. Yeah. Um, but I, I found Talladega Nights on Blu-ray, so I watched that. Cool. And uh, the movie's still really funny. The Blu-ray's video isn't that good, though, so it kind of sucks. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like it looks really good, and then there's some scenes that are really dark. It's really weird. Huh. Um, 
And it's it's a bummer too because it's a Sony movie, so you think they would actually make their movies look really good. Yeah. Um, but the movie's really funny, and it's uh, I always know that a stupid movie is really funny when my wife thinks it's really funny because my wife can't stand movies like that. And uh, every time those little boys are on, were you know saying nasty things, my wife was just laughing and laughing and laughing, and it's really cute. Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite line is. <laughs> Uh, they're at their mom's, uh, their grandma's house, and their old man next door is yelling at them. And, he, and one of the boys says, "Go back to shaving your balls, you dusty old fart." <laughs> I don't know why he says shaving your balls, but it's just really funny. Is that what old people do? I, I guess they just sit around. Um, and... huh. But the movie is really silly and funny. And um, if you don't like Will Ferrell, though, you're not going to like it because it has a lot of his weird humor in it. Well, I, I think it's because I like that one, but I, I think it's one of the more Accessible? One of the more yeah accessible of them, like it's one. I mean, he that... does ri- drive with a puma in his yeah car or yeah. cougar, and it's not too over the top or gross or anything. Like no, that, it's you know? it's just pretty silly. Yeah, um, it's it's mostly palatable. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. Um, so I, I watched that. I also watched a movie called uh, The Lazarus Effect. After um, it's the Olivia Wilde horror film. I don't know anything about this. Um, Zach Eastman was talking about it on Facebook, and I, I said I'm going to get it because I think Olivia Wilde is prettier than you. I saw that, yeah. And uh, and so in the film, she plays a doctor with Mark Duplass, who it and uh, Donald Glover's in it, and um, huh. Evan Peters. I mean, the actors in this film are really good. Um, and in it, he, um, Mark Duplass's character, he's trying to create a, a serum that will bring people back from the dead um so you have basically he wants to give it for first responders if they come to a scene and someone has died they can give them this drug and it gets them back to being stable so they can um try to you know get them back to healthy i guess or yeah. have a chance to save them actually i think he says that in the film to have a chance to save them mm. um and i actually think the movie's not too bad i think it's pretty interesting um the first Half of it, the movie's only like 80 minutes long, wow. so it goes by really fast. Sheesh. I think 83 minutes is the actual runtime. Wow. And so the first 45 minutes... That's actually shorter than than Men in Black. I know, right? <laughs> so the first um, 40 minutes is them trying to figure out the serum. And so you just have these great actors talking about how they're going to save people and what they're going to do. And Olivia Wilde and Mark Duplass have a great chemistry as husband and wife. Um, and then they do this serum and they bring this dead dog back to life. Uh, but the dead dog, when he comes back to life, there's something wrong with him. Cool. And so uh, the the problem the film actually runs into is it has a lot of cliches in it and a lot of horror tropes. Where So they're working at a university, and then Mark Duplass's character lies about the grant that they got. So they get the, their funding pulled. So they're going to do one last uh, you know, experiment to prove that it's theirs. So they can get all the, so no one can take the credit from them. Right. So when they do this experiment, Olivia Wilde is actually electrocuted and she dies. So, you know, Mark Duplass is like heartbroken. So he injects her with this serum and she comes back to life. But when she comes back to life, she actually she comes back bad. She does. Um, but it's actually not her who comes back. Like something else comes inside of her. Is it that the dog? Gross. No. Somebody else comes inside, inside of her. her. That was bad. That's really bad. So basically the second half is Olivia Wilde being evil. 
But there's something. Okay. The thing what makes it effective and kind of creepy. Is she good at that? Yeah. Okay. Because here's the thing with Olivia Wilde is she's beautiful and really like funny and you know she has that. I don't know how to describe, but when she has, she has a look that you just kind of feel at ease when you look at her. And there's this one part where Evan Peters is. They, they always set this up in horror films, but earlier in the film, he's using like an electronic cigarette, and Olivia Wilde character is always like, "Quit smoking." And so when she comes back evil, um, he's using that electronic cigarette and she forces it into his mouth through telekinesis or some force or something. And as it, it goes in slow motion and it goes in her mouth and then it like does a close up on her face, on, in his mouth and does close up on her face and she does this wink and smiles. You're like, Ooh, that's kind of evil. Hmm. And, um, and so it's, it's not as bad as Eastman wants you to believe, um, it's not a great horror film. Yeah. Um, but it has some interesting ideas. I think if one, I think if they actually made it rated R, it'd be better. It's PG 13. So it kind of takes away some of the impact. Mm -hmm. And the director also tries to use a lot of jump scares, which I've seen so many horror films. Now I actually know when they're going to happen. So the actors are great in it. Well, and it's really well made. The fact that it's rated PG 13 means that it's like one of the few movies that Olivia Wilde is not naked in. I know that's a really so, big bummer, yeah. but they do a lot of like, it over to R, you, uh, she's in a bra at one point. So, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. You're getting close. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting film. I'll probably watch it again <laughs> just to see if I missed anything. There's, there's some things I'm not going to spoil, but like there's little character beats and stuff. Um, that's pretty fascinating. Um, and, uh, what am I missing? Real one? quick. Oh, along those same crass lines. Mm -hmm. Um, Last or for the San Andreas review, um, you, oh his you, daughter. You should watch True Detective. Yeah. Anyway, we can move on now. Um. Anyways, so uh, the last film I watched this week was Scream Factory's collector's edition of Sleepaway Camp Two. Yeah. Which is uh, is not it's not really like considered canon in sleepaway camp because what happened was i know it's weird so the sleepaway camp guy i didn't know we were terribly concerned about oh, yeah, the right? canon for sleepaway camp uh he made sleepaway camp and he was going to make a sequel okay but some producer came up to him and was like hey i'll give you a bunch of money instead and i can make my own two movies and you can go to law school like you want to go to i found this out in the special features and huh. the guy's like all right sure and so he made back-to-back -back sleepaway camp two and three um and it stars pamela's Springsteen, yes, Bruce Springsteen's um, sister, as Angela. That was my first assumption. Yeah, so it's Angela, older, okay. at, uh, and now she's a camp counselor at Camp Rolling Hills. And she starts killing kids or counselors that are indecent. So if they're drinking or having sex or being out late, she kills them. Mm -hmm. um, the film's really gory. Um, it's definitely mid to late 80s slasher cheese yeah where it's not like a great film but it has its charm to it you know what i mean like yeah because it's those practical like slasher effects there's this one where she cuts the tongue off of some girl and i mean there's some pretty uh raunchy ones um she burns these two girls alive and um, i mean it's pretty hardcore uh graphic wise okay. and it's it's not a great film but it's still fun pamela springsteen is actually really good in it she's hmm. has this really great quality of being innocent and evil at the same time um do you ever see her penis no okay uh she actually mentions that towards the end that she had a sex change operation so she's uh 
went through therapy and is okay. Oh, well, good for her. Um, it also stars Renee Estevez, if that sounds familiar. It's Emilio Estevez's sister. Um, uh, again, my first. There every, you go. Everyone's sister is in this movie. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that's it. I mean, if you like slasher films, you'll probably find enjoyment in the movie. Um, again, it's not a great movie, yeah. but it also doesn't take itself seriously. So I think that's what some of the charm in the film is. Um, so then is return to sleepaway camp the is actual, the sequel? actual sequel because oh, okay. it's made by the original director and writer and Jonathan and Felisa are both in it. Yeah. Felisa. So, yeah. Um, but uh, I haven't seen that one and Jonathan hasn't either. So I don't have really like a desire to see it. Jonathan's never seen it, but he's <laughs> in it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He said, if you listen, you actually never listened to interviews I've done with him. He no, ha- I have. I think I think I remember him saying yeah. that. I just yeah. He, I don't he said the, um, the when we saw Sleepaway Camp for the 30th anniversary at Alamo was the first time he saw it in 20 years. Yeah, I remember that yeah. because he didn't know that it, it was interesting talking to him because he didn't know it had that big of an impact. Right, and he's he he understands now, but I guess when you remove yourself from it and you just focus on your music and things right. like that. Right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, if you and of course it's a Scream Factory, so they did a great job with it. Um, there's some great special features of interviews and commentary. Um, yeah, I'd recommend it if you're a fan of slasher films. Very cool. Cool. Very cool. James, what'd you watch? Um, just a couple of things. So I, as we've sort of already talked about quite a bit, um, I went and saw San Andreas. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see it. I saw it at a drive-in, which, like I said before, is not necessarily... It was a cool experience, not necessarily the best way to see a movie. Mm-hmm. So... There are some caveats to it, so like, you know, I you did get the whole of, rumbling effect. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, yeah, totally. I mean, I will, I will definitely say that. Like, it it loses a little bit of its effectiveness when you don't feel that. Like, I I didn't I didn't feel as much tension, mm-hmm. and I I can't say that that's the movie's fault because I think the experience has some effect on that. Yeah, I think um, so too. But also, I I think I mentioned in my review, The Rock always shows up just in the nick of time. Yeah, which, <laughs> it's fun. which is fine. Like, I went to see the movie because I like The Rock. Yeah. You know? If you don't like The Rock, there's not a lot to this movie. No. That, like, but I will, yeah. So this movie is one of the best, like, world destruction movies I think I've mm-hmm. ever seen. Yeah, I agree. And the reason I say that is because it's it's focused. Mm-hmm. It's not like, when you look at your 2012s or your the cores or, you know, it's just, okay, we're going to show you a bunch of destruction scenes all over the planet. Some of it's random stuff, so it's like you look at the day after tomorrow, and it's like, oh, now everything's frozen, and now, now the freeze now, chases now them. Now everything, yeah, like it's just what, okay, fine. Um, and or you look at a movie like Twenty Twelve, and it's this constant just movement. It's just can we get from where we're going faster than the nonsense happening behind us? Um, whereas with this, like they genuinely they they tried pretty hard. Like they put together a story that is not the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, they they have it focused so it's only California. It's like okay, there's a there's an earthquake in uh, at the Hoover Dam, and then there's sort of an earthquake in L.A., and then there's an earthquake in San Francisco. There's you know it's just boom, boom, boom. the The first one is like a th- three minute sequence. The uh, um, the second one is is one long section that mm-hmm. like, you know, like we alluded to before has that that chase up to the top of that building, and then they go to San Francisco, um, and then all of the nonsense happens in San Francisco, and so it, the fact that it's focused makes you feel like it's really a story and not just 
hey, here's a bunch of nonsense happening. And then at some point we have to like blow up a bomb to get the Earth's core to spin again or some <laughs> stupid shit. Um, and I will say, too, that scene where uh, Dwayne Johnson is talking about who's how he, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, no, how he couldn't save his younger daughter. I yeah. think it's actually pretty good. I think I think it's. I think that some of it is really corny. I think that he's so good that he makes it. That's work. what I mean. Like, yeah. he makes it where I think that it's the line that the devastating is when he looked in her eyes and he knew he couldn't save her. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah, it's corny. And but under under like if you give this movie to Nick Cage, this movie'd be complete dog shit. Yeah, that's what I mean, and that's why The Rock is better than Vin Diesel because Vin Diesel can't handle those moments. Agreed. And I, or I, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger can handle those moments. Moments like in Maggie, I think. But if you <laughs> if you give that to someone, I can't like, roll my eyes hard enough. Uh, Actually, then, no. Here's the thing. I agree with you. The problem is that even Maggie was so bad that even he couldn't fix it. We'll see. Um, yeah, I, I think there's there's some things about this movie I genuinely do want to like say. Hey, th- this stuff is good. Um, Alexander Daddario. Her character is actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Not okay. I'm I might be going above and beyond there, but, but she, at least she but can she, do stuff. Yeah, she is not helpless the whole time. She's she ends up with these two guys who save her in the first scene, and then she pr- proceeds to save their lives over and over and over and over again. Um, she's not helpless, uh, except for in the last scene. She's pretty um, hot too. Uh, yes, she. I've I've been a fan for a long time. <laughs> um, Even I, in Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, I I love Ch- Texas Chainsaw. It was super fun to to watch for me because I didn't give a shit about whether it was good. I just thought it was hilarious. Um, and she's really pretty. She is. Um, you should watch True Detective. Anyway, okay. um, so uh, like except for the scene where she's all right. Spoilers for San Andreas, but like seriously, this movie's fucking stupid, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um at the end when like she's gets in this situation mm-hmm. where she's going to drown. It was, it was too on the nose, yeah. you know? And then it gets super corny when like he's going to save her and like he's doing CPR and he like gives up and then he does it again. I'm like, <laughs> fuck he you. Can't give up. <laughs> like I, you guys know that a billion other movies have done that joke, right? Like this joke. is, I can't take <laughs> this seriously. Um, so there's stuff like that in there. That's not great. I think that um I think that the the best like most genuinely cool action scene in the whole movie is actually the first one where the rock brings that helicopter in and he yeah. does he says we got to tip the hat and then he goes whoosh whoosh and he like <laughs> Dude, it's so but like I, I and then he puts it the helicopter's got auto hover mode yeah no fuck I I I want somebody who actually can fly helicopters to write in or call in and tell us that a helicopter actually I will fucking eat my hat like I I don't believe that a helicopter Dude, but, has but a button he, he crawls out and he rips the door right off yeah oh it's so good it's awesome it's really good I want that movie yeah I want like yeah the rock saving people i want the rock saving the characters from the point break remake from getting (laughs) stuck on the side of mountains well Um, i mean see that's what the rock does though i mean in furious 7 where he you know rips the gun off the drone oh yeah and starts mowing people down dude yeah and you just you just believe believe it it. (laughs) because you're like well the man is the size of a tank so he's got to be able to do that Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i I don't think it's horrible no um it's a fun movie i don't think it's a great movie and they don't you know Paul Giamatti's character and his whole plot is honestly just pointless. You you don't need him there at all. I don't think yeah, he's just um, there. For, he's he's a plot driver. Like yeah, he's 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 exposition. But yeah, 
anybody who doesn't know that like about the San Andreas fault or about earthquakes, like it's really simple. All it is is there's a really bad earthquake and there's a series of them. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need to explain like, oh well there's there's all these little asteroids coming around before the big asteroid gets here and we have to split the asteroid into two. Like because here's the thing. What's kind of cool about this movie is there's no stopping it. Yeah. Like, it's not a movie about how do we keep the disaster from happening or fix the disaster. It's just, nope, everything's going to shake. I mean, that's actually the dumbest thing about it is it ends and Paul Giamatti looks at the camera and goes, now we rebuild. And I thought... I think The Rock said that. Oh, okay. The, oh, you're right. You're right. The Rock looks <laughs> at the, the camera and the American flag says, hanging off the Yes, side now we rebuild. And I thought, bridge. fuck all we do. Y'all need to move to higher ground. Like, if... no. Just don't rebuild there. Just don't. If the whole side of the country has like a series of, you know, uh, earthquakes that are nine point a billion or whatever, <laughs> that you can actually watch Science. the whole earth like shake, like it's doing the like a rave dance. <laughs> you know what? We shouldn't rebuild there. Just I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say we should not do that because uh, who knows? It's just for our own well being. Um, cause a lot of people die in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's also, it, it seems crazy to me how, um, that at first I was really cool with it. I thought they were being really smart where the, the like new boyfriend of the mom mm-hmm. is like really nice at first and then, and he seems cool. And then he gets in this situation where he's like, he doesn't really know what to do. So he kind of does the wrong thing, but he's not trying to be a complete asshole. And then it just leads him down this path where he makes bad decisions. And then like. He just like a f- switch flips and he becomes like that bad guy from Titanic who's like right. throwing children off the boat in order <laughs> to get into a life raft. Like he, he becomes the worst person. And it's Mr. Fantastic. It's Reed Richards. How do you even pronounce his name? I always forget. Is it Ion? I have no idea how you pronounce his name. It's I O A N. Uh, oh, it's, I think that's Ian. Is it just Ian? It's got to be just Ian. Oh. Yeah. I have to listen to a commentary and maybe someone Is say it. I. It's I O A N. Oh, okay. It's got E O I N would be Owen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I know that's probably. I do uh-huh. have Fantastic Four on Blu-ray. Maybe they have a commentary where they say his name. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, like some kind of again. some kind of panel at Comic Con where they're like, "Ladies and gentlemen, Yo Yoan Grufer. Yeah, but yeah, would I recommend anyone see it? Honestly, I don't think so. Yeah, I would. I mean, if you want to have fun in a stupid movie, I think you can go see it. Yeah, but I have a feeling that there are a lot of like if I if my mom called me and said, "Hey, I want to go have fun in a stupid movie," I would tell her to go see Mad Max or Jurassic World or like there there are a number of good action movies out right now. Like if you've seen everything else, yeah, see San Andreas. <laughs> um, but I don't want to go on a limb and say like you know that it's really worth it. Gotcha. Um, it was cool to see it. Like as a double feature, sure. you know, um, and honestly, because your review was such, I was like, well, I have to, because like, yeah. there needs to be a voice of reason. <laughs> All there was was just Ryan saying that the Rock is cool, and I—that's not a review. But you just said though, the Rock is awesome, yeah, and the Rock is cool, yeah. yeah. So I, my, re- my review holds uh, up. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> San Andreas, best film of 2015. Uh, no. um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so the other thing I've been watching is I finished the first season of. Um, Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. which is the HBO show. Um, it's like comedy. It's created by Mike Judge. Um, and it's pretty good. I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, basically, Mike, uh, sorry, Silicon Valley tells the story of this house of programmers in Silicon Valley who were all 
Um, they're working for a Google type company um, and they all have sort of their ideas for how to start their own little startup um, with some you know piece of technology that they think they're going to be you know the inventors of. Um, and one of them um, sort of inadvertently, he's got a really bad idea for uh, shoot, what was it originally? He's got this company he wants to start called Pied Piper that uh, oh oh it's a it's a a website that you put in your music and it will search all of the music in the in like in its database to determine whether or not you're breaking copyright laws. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just a pointless dumb thing that nobody's ever going to use, right? Uh, but he accidentally discovered. The sort of competition it ends up being sort of discovers that in doing so he inadvertently created a way to compress files at, without losing like without degradation so well that like it's it's brilliant right mm -hmm. like you're going to want to do this on every ipad and or on every ipod so that your music is all smaller and so the video streams better and all this stuff so suddenly he has this thing that um is worth a lot of money um and and this is all in the first episode um and he ends up getting caught between basically the bill gates and the steve jobs in this world where they both know he's got this crazy piece of technology and they honestly just play him against like like they use him against each other and try to like um pick the fight with each other just because they don't like him mm -hmm. so one of them is like well i'll give you 10 million dollars for this thing you built and the other one's like well no you don't want to sell I'll come help you and I'll give you a million dollars, but you can keep your company. Right. And so it ends up, he, he ends up getting convinced not to sell his company. So now he's like alone with this group of friends he has in this house and they've got a little money, but not really enough and no real help on how to build this company. And so they're just like, it's, you know, six buffoons in a house who have no idea how to run a company trying to figure this out and going to doing all the stuff that startups do now in Silicon Valley, where they're going to, you know, um, these tech conventions to try to pitch their company and that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's pretty funny. It's got Martin Starr in it who plays this uh, asshole who's a Satanist. <laughs> um, and so he, uh, like, I, I don't know, he's just, uh, he's constantly being a jerk and and every now and then has some phrase where he, he'll, like, um, he'll say something like, oh, man, you know, it's it's like hell in here. And they realize, like, oh, no, you actually like that anyway i'm telling the joke horribly but um but the the characters are i think are all all pretty funny it's a it's that mike judge sense of humor yeah. right so if you like extract or you like uh office, office space, space where it's not it's not like crack up funny it's just like clever yeah it's just kind of clever you you just sort of enjoy those characters and there are moments where you're certainly laughing um but for the most part you're just and having fun. Mm -hmm. um, if you like those movies, I, I think it's definitely worth checking out. Um, it's got uh, oh gosh, that guy from from Denver who's in Transformers Four. Um, uh, Has a dude from The Office. Um, man. Anyway, um, gosh, it's got a bunch of funny people in it. It I think it's worth checking out for sure. Uh, if you've got HBO or if you've got Amazon Prime, it's on there. Uh, I, actually, I don't know if it, no. Actually, I think I bought it on Prime because I'd heard really good things. So, you know, you can you can buy the video online and uh, I think it's worth checking out. I think it's really cool. Uh, I don't think the second season's up yet, uh, but I will for sure be checking it out because I think it's good. Cool. So I think that's everything I've watched. Cool. So it's movie news time. It is. It's real news. Uh, 
Scream Factory is releasing the ultimate edition of Army of Darkness on Blu-ray. Awesome. I I hope that they're finally going to have like the most comprehensive Army of Darkness, and I, I'm sure they will. Yeah, I'm sure they probably even have two versions of it. They did this for uh, oh, it's got Nightbreed, where they had for is like. $79 and you got like a five disc Blu-ray and it had the theatrical directors and then you or the one I got because I'm not the biggest Nightbreed fan. I could, oh, you mean actually two editions yeah. of it, not just two versions of the movie yeah. on the disc. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So like Nightbreed has that one and then they also have like your standard version, which I got. But I'm hoping that they do that and it comes maybe with a Necronomicon <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Um, oh, yeah. Because there's there, there are so many versions of that oh, movie yeah. um, that they've got a and, and it's going to be a pretty big package. And their press release, they're really excited about it. And yeah. because and they're the people that deserve to make a Blu-ray about, with it because they're yeah. so good. Yeah. And they'll treat it right. Like, I have the Screwhead Edition, which is the one they put out. It's a joke. It's a joke. And so now that Scream Factory is doing it, it'll be finally be given the respect that I think it deserves because it's the greatest film of all time. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited for it, for sure. So, yeah. When is it? It's like September, October? October. Yeah, something like that. But they'll probably have um, ordering information. Really, I think they said really in soon. July. Yeah. Like either end of June or July. Yeah, really soon. Pre-orders. And the cool thing with Scream Factory is I order always off Amazon because it's cheaper. But if you really want a thing from Scream Factory, if you order from their website, they'll send you their Blu-rays three weeks early. So... If you really like a movie and you want it, pre-order it from them, and you'll get it three weeks before the street date. Hmm. So I'll, I'll be doing that for Army of Darkness. That's cool. Because I'll want the limited edition one. Yeah. I'm sure. That's really cool. So that one makes me excited. <laughs> cool. Um, E3 happened this week. Yes. Um, lots of cool things. Did you um, see that video for Uncharted 3? Or Uncharted 4? Yes. Oh, man. Makes me cry. Yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, lots of cool things happening. Um, I, I love... That Tomb Raider's yeah. coming out for Xbox One only for the holidays, but they kind of yeah, skirt then, that under gonna, everything. Then they'll release it so the rest of us can play it. Yeah. Honestly, I uh, Dan actually bought an Xbox One while I was on vacation. <sighs> Son of a bitch. Uh, there's so going to be playing it? I might. Um, I, I might just get one because mm-hmm. I, I think they actually they announced some pretty cool stuff. I know. It's going to be... That gonna Rare be... 30, I actually want that game too. Oh, I didn't see that one. It's... 30 of Rare's games. So oh. it has like Banjo and Kazooie, Conker's Bad Fur Day, Perfect Dark. Cool. All their like early games, Battletoads and RC Pro-Am, stuff I grew up with. Yeah. So I'm like, man, that's and really there's, awesome. Uh, they've, they figured out how to make the Xbox One play a bunch of old Xbox yeah. 360 games. So that'll be really cool because yeah. I never owned a 360 either. So it's an opportunity for me to like yeah. play a bunch of games I never I know. played. I'm still not down with Xbox, but they had a really good conference. Sony had a good mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, Nintendo just didn't care. Um, no. Because I think I think Nintendo focuses more on the Tokyo Game Show because it's a Japanese company. Well, and they're going towards, they're shifting their whole company and starting to do all this mobile stuff and yeah. things like that. That I, I, it's probably just a weird time for yeah. them to really talk about what they're well, doing. Super Mario Maker looks fun. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So E3 was fun. Yeah, it looks cool. Um. Uh, real quick, because I didn't call in on this and I was going to. Man, that fucking The Martian trailer is really good. I know. Did you read? Did you read my tweet? I <sighs> yeah, sent out? I, oh, I did. And people were. I, I, it's I, like Ridley Scott listens to our show. I saw that tweet, and I I was in the car, and I watched the trailer without sound on my phone because <laughs> I was like, I, I have to watch this right now. <laughs> and and even without sound, I was like, Yeah, he's right. This is so <laughs> made for me. And then I once I was able to watch it, I think I watched it two or three times in a row. I was just like, "This is so cool! This is everything I want in a movie." No, the, like the trailer's really cool. Yeah, yes, it is. 
and it's also pandering to me so freaking hard. Again, the only thing you could do is like uh, have him have a southern accent and talk about. You know you how know, I know I made it. Growing is up when, in Oklahoma, when NASA favorites your tweet about yeah. <laughs> Martian. <laughs> like, oh, I've yeah. made it in life. Yeah, when NASA really appreciates my opinion on all things <laughs> space. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, also pretty excited. Uh, Kenneth Branagh is going to make a, uh, or he's going to direct a new adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express. Mm. Um, which I mean, now the original version of that movie I also really like, but I just like the story of Murder on the Orient Express in general. So if uh, if he's going to make it, I think that's cool. I heard um, they're trying to get him back for Thor three too. Oh yeah. Oh, mm. that'd be cool. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I I really like him. I I mean. Yeah. Jack Ryan was not very good, but I, he was, I don't he was think good it was in it. his fault. Oh, no. Um, well, I mean, but he directed that. Yeah, one. I know. Um, he was good in it, too. I, I think it was pacing. and you know, I, I don't think that a Jack Ryan is honestly the kind of movie that he should be making, mm-hmm. to be completely I agree. honest. Um, it's just a very... And it could just be that that script in general was not terribly great. Um, but Murder, Murder on the Orient Express is already basically a play, mm-hmm. so... I think that sounds amazing. Like that, it's a movie about the way people talk and yeah. what they're hiding and putting them in confined spaces. And I just have you seen the original? Oh yeah. Oh man, it's so good. Um, so, yeah, and, I think Kenneth Branagh will probably do pretty well on it. Yeah, I think that's pretty exciting. Um, they also announced that um, Stars has greenlit a TV series from Brian Fuller, um, who I Hannibal. love from Hannibal. Uh, or Pushing Daisies, or, um, oh, man, what was that show? Uh, anyway, um, the first show that he did was really popular that was also about people who were dead. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, see, I can't stop thinking about it because it's The Leftovers. Me. No, 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 not The Leftovers. Um, uh, oh, man, it's, it is really going to get under my skin. The Remains. Uh, no, stop it. Uh Anyway, they're they're making a TV show out of a Neil Gaiman book called American Gods, um, which I never finished, but I started it, and it was pretty cool. <laughs> um, you never read it, did you? No. Okay. Uh, American Gods is basically about like it's set in this world where all of the like old forgotten gods of early American tribes and those kind of things are all real, hmm. and they're all kind of pissed about the fact that nobody remembers them. Um, sounds like a Neil Gaiman thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it kind of sounds like something that I think Brian Fuller might be pretty good at. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty interesting. I will definitely want to check that out. Um, uh, damn, what was the name of that show? Oh, this is really good. Dead like me. me dead like me. Dead like me. <laughs> oh, I was just naming a bunch of show with dead people in it. No, dead I, like me is the name. I of the know. Show. I, yeah. eventually, oh, I eventually get man. to it. Oof, sheesh. Um, and then, uh, very last thing is there is a rumor going around that maybe the next Wolverine movie is going to be based on Old Man Logan. Uh, be fun. which I, yeah, I think that would be, I think awesome. just be cool to have like an old Wolverine walking wastelands killing things. Yeah. Yeah. Like not to sound like a broken record, but like, like Mad Max with Wolverine in it. That'd be pretty sweet. That would be pretty freaking <laughs> yeah. sweet. And, and you know, instead of being attacked by dudes on motorcycles, he's being attacked by like. You know, mutants giant, on motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, mutants and like giant, giant venom-covered Tyrannosaurus Rexes, oh, and mean. like he's got to pay his Hulk rent. because that's the story. If you don't remember, like the original story it starts off with like you know because he lives on Hulk land in Hulk country, yeah. and the Hulk family comes to him is like, "You haven't paid your Hulk rent, so we need some <laughs> Hulk dollars." 
And then he just like I think they kill his family or something like that. And then he remember. like starts driving out into the country um to get away from the Hulks <laughs> and to try and make some money. Um yeah, it, I love that book. If you have not read uh Old Man Logan, you should go to Colorado Queen Scars and Comics and see if you can find it. Probably should. Um because it's pretty cool. So it's one of those books that Mark Miller made that isn't over the top and stupid and offensive. But they also probably can't if we were talking about this before the podcast. I don't I don't think that you make the big reveal at the end the same in mm-hmm. in a Wolverine movie. You probably couldn't work that as well. Yeah. I mean it would take so much setup that I, I think you've gotta do some kind of a reveal. Like you've gotta explain why the world's gone to shit. Mm-hmm. Um but honestly, if you use the if you use the universe as they've set it up now, you've got you've got a universe where um everything is reset and Wolverine is like back in a place that he yeah. likes, right? You've got the uh universe that they can move on from now where um where none of the stuff from the original series happens, right? So you know that's sort of the one with the with the younger cast, and then you also have that universe where everything was still fucked up and horrible, and so you could you could sort of jet off yeah. of that one and say like okay, it's even further along than that, but I mean it would just be con- kind of confusing. But but honestly, I wouldn't care if you just have Wolverine fucking knifing dudes in the I'm desert. Down. I'm I'm down. Yeah. So I, I loved uh, the last Wolverine movie. So yeah. So hopefully. They now that they got the Jap Japan uh, the Jap the Japan one out of the way now they can do you know the future wasteland one yeah did you guys talk about Christopher Lee last week yep okay good that was too bad yep but he was also a hundred and fifty ninety three so pretty good good for him good life mm-hmm. uh, this week we went and saw Inside Out Disney Pixar's Inside Out James should people go see Inside Out. Yeah, uh, I absolutely think that people should go see Inside Out. I, I do think that, um, I, I kind of think of this one like a Rango. I don't have kids, but I suspect that not all kids are gonna love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think this is one of the smartest movies they've made. So. Uh yeah, I think uh, this movie is deeply. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Deep- I cried. I did too. And <laughs> it's very emotional. Um, it's very funny. It's very well animated. It's very, beautiful. Very intellectual. Very intellectual. Um, very smart. And, and there's, uh, here's a trailer for it, but there's some little parts in it that uh, I just adore. Uh, here's a trailer for Inside Out. So, how was the first day of school? It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Did you guys pick up on that? Sure oh, did. Well, something's wrong. We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. <clears throat> With a nice pass over the reef, comes across center ice. Uh-oh, she's looking at us. What did she say? What? Oh, uh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Oh, you gotta be kidding me! For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot?
School was great, all right? What was that? I thought you said we were gonna act casual. Riley, is everything okay? <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude, old no, man. No, 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 breathe. What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. DEFCON 2! I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Yeah, well, what? Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. The foot is down. The foot is down. Yeah! Woo! Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. Come, fly with me, Gachinha. It's so fascinating because we had this conversation before the movie started that uh, they don't market... For some reason, Pixar's not very good at marketing their movies. It's not just... I don't think it's Pixar as a whole. This is not an easy movie to market. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this is not um some of their some of the ideas for their movies are so complex and so heavy at mm-hmm. times that unlike a movie like Cars, right, where it's something that it's really easy to show to kids and they are going to see, okay, this is the reason I'm going to see this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie, there's just some characters and they're shaped kind of funny and one of them fire comes out of his head when he gets mad mm-hmm. and like there's not a but what, uh, there's not a gimmick. So I guess what uh so the movie is you're following the life of a young girl named Riley and the emotion she goes through and what they don't tell you in the trailer is her emotions are actually growing up with her mm-hmm. and it's freaking beautiful um because as you're watching the thing and you're guilty of it as you watch the film Joy who's voiced by Amy Poehler who's amazing in it um you're like, yeah you just be happy you should be happy and sad is um, starting to affect her memories. And you're like, well, wait a minute. She won, you know, she shot a goal and won or whatever. And you realize that as you get older, that sometimes your best memories are both happy and sad and that you need an equal balance. And that's part of growing up. Um, I'm going way ahead of myself, but I just loved how this movie played out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in it, basically, um, this little girl Riley, they move from Minnesota to San Francisco and she's going through all her emotions and um she's a upbeat kid but eventually it catches up to her um of how she feels uh, about leaving home leaving her friends and you go through this emotional roller coaster with her and what i think is so strong about this film is you actually are you get exhausted because you know you're going to cry in it mm-hmm. you know that you're going to have that gut punch in it yeah and it's not the thing that's great about pixar is they're they're things that make you cry in Pixar films aren't because it's cheap because it's a death of somebody it's not or, manipulative exactly whether it's um in Toy Story 3 um you know everyone points to the part where the toys are about to be killed and they hold each other's hands which is beautiful but to it's me not, it's not when i cry me too but to, we're going we're going to have the same moment here but to me in Toy Story 3 when he gives Woody away I seriously bawled like a baby because he said he's the best cowboy and um, I'm starting to get well up right now. He's like, he's the best cowboy in the world. I'm like, he is. It's not even that. It's the whole scene where he plays. It's this mm-hmm. whole idea of him having to give away a lot of his toys and, and move on and grow up. 
but then having that scene where he's playing with the toys with Bonnie, mm-hmm. that just, it just yeah, wrecks me. It's everything. And uh, so in Inside Out, uh, the story is, is that Joy and Sad get pulled away from Riley. And so she's only left with fear, anger, and disgust. Mm-hmm. And these, it, it is how smart this film is, is you're like, oh, well, you, they have to have Joy, but you realize that it's actually a metaphor for how, what she's going through right. in her life. Right. Um, and but they play in such a cute way that um, what's what's her Bing Bong? Is that the name of her imaginary uh, friend? Yeah, Bing Bong, I think is his name. And he shows up, and you know he's stealing memories because she doesn't remember him. And mm. it's just it's so beautiful. And I even got a little teary. Uh, there's a part where in in everyone's mind, there's a part where they just forget memories, and Joy and Bing Bong fall down there, and. Um, they're trying to get up and they sing the song and it's set up that they're in a wagon. When they sing the song, the wagon takes off and they're going to the moon. And so joy and being bonger down there and they try to do it twice and they can't do it. And, um, being bong says, let's do it more time. Make sure you sing really loud. I'm like, Oh fuck, I know what he's going to do. And so she gets in there and they go up and being bong jumps out because that memory of her imaginary friend is actually weighing her down. And she has to grow up. And he's like, make sure she gets to the moon. And he, oh, it's like so heartbreaking and it's so beautiful. And it gets up there. And I I just, I loved the film. I really did. It's, I think it's one of the best movies of the year. And, you know, and what really got me in the movie is at the, at the very, towards the end, Joy realizes that sad needs to be a part of, um, of Riley's life as well. And not only sad, but anger, fear, and disgust. They all have to be part of who she is. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that they, it's not even that they all have to be part of who she is. It's that they have to mingle in the mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. You know, so it starts off where these marbles that are a piece of her memories are only one color. Mm-hmm. By the end, and they even foreshadow this when they take you into the parents' heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. That's what I mean. Like, you don't even realize it right. at the very beginning. Because for them, like, you know that they're, that those are the same the same emotions but they're so um they're also similar mm-hmm. you know like they've all calmed down they've matured um and the same thing has to happen to her mm-hmm. um and that's what's really pretty interesting about it uh, i think for me and, and and i don't know what to make of this i it's just a it's just a difficult thing for me i i think i have this sort of stigma against this kind of very obvious um, like metaphor, you mm-hmm. know? So there's certain times in this movie where they'll say things like, oh, well, you know, this is... Like, I th- I think the train of thought is clever. Mm-hmm. I also have a hard time not rolling my eyes at the train of thought. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's not... There's nothing wrong with it. It's mm-hmm. actually really good. But there's something about me that I have this stigma against it and so I did find myself at times being like, oh, man, like, why why does this have to be so on the nose? But it's not even that, like, it's not, I, I don't know that it's on the nose. I think it's actually, if I take a step back and look at it, it's really, really intelligent. What it's saying is really smart. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the most well-assembled and well-crafted movies that Pixar has made. Um, it doesn't have a lot of times when it is distracted. It has a thing it's trying to say. It has a place it's trying to go and it gets there very efficiently and effectively, um, which is great. I, I mean, there is the one scene in my mind that I think is probably, I, I think that the, um, 
that the shortcut through abstract thought is a um momentum killer mm-hmm. like that that sequence is mm-hmm. should be on the cutting room floor like uh, that sequence shouldn't be there like I, to me it just totally screws up that scene in the movie mm-hmm. um but okay you know but it's that kind of thing where like when you when you're that obvious about what you're trying to say i feel like like there's a part of me that wants to not like it and go against it but the truth is those simple things about like the train of thought or here now you're in the subconscious and now you know here's where all of long-term memory lives and all of this stuff that stuff is so down here and what they're actually trying to say with the movie is way more complex Mm -hmm. they're using those very simple personifications of these abstract ideas as tiny little playthings in a much bigger idea oh yeah and that's what i'm trying to say is like there is a part of my brain that wants to fight it because I don't like that that tool, but I understand that they are using it in a much bigger and cooler way than just like, well, this is a movie where your emotions are people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they're really doing something special here. So I, I it was just it was just a struggle for me. And mm-hmm. some people are going to miss that. Some people are gonna see this movie and be like, This is stupid. Like it's just a movie where like anger is a Anger is that guy from 1999 that used to yell a lot on HBO. Like, no, it's it's a lot more than that. Yeah, and you know, there's and the geniuses at Pixar. There's a part in there where it's called Imagination Land. Yeah, and there's like French Fry Forest, I think is what it's called. <laughs> and so Joy is chasing sadness <laughs> through it, and she uses a French fry as a pole vote, and she then she licks her fingers. I know. Just like little things like that, just yeah. make Pixar movies better than most animated films. Yeah. Um. And they're just so clever, you know, and the end that really got me is, um, you know, she walks up there and she lets sad play this part because, you know, she has to be allowed to be sad. And I think uh-huh. the joy has to learn that, that she has to be allowed to be sad. And so she's, you know, telling her parents she didn't want to move. She's upset that she's going. So her parents like hug her and then joy, then sad brings joy over and she, you know, puts her hand on her. Then she has this little smile come up because they're all together. I'm like... That's so sad and cute. That, that's what really got me in the film. I'm oh, like, at that point, I was already crying. Because it's so beautiful. I mean, this this film is so beautiful. For me, it was the flashbacks. It was it was when they took mm-hmm. it was when they took these memories that were core memories of who she was um, and who she had been. Um, because what's what's really happening in the movie is that she's going through this really traumatic event in her life, and the things that made her who she was are completely crumbling and she's going to have to make herself into someone new, um, which is like what people do. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're basically these like five pillars of who she are, of who she is. And some of them have to fall away mm-hmm. and get rebuilt in different ways. Yeah. Um, and they take these scenes that were the, the everything, everything she knows, like one of them is friendship, right? Everything she understands about friendship is based in this one memory of her and this friend of hers from her old town, mm-hmm. right? So when she doesn't have that anymore, that memory becomes sad and she has to rebuild that whole yeah. that whole part of her from a different perspective. And so when they were doing these these flashbacks of things that were joyous moments of beautiful moments in her life, you know, it's it's her and her friend having fun or it's her and her parents ice skating but they're coated over in blue and they just become melancholy. Mm-hmm. That's when I, that's when I was broken. Yeah. That's when I was just like, Oh, this is so smart. Yeah. It's such uh, a great film. 
Yeah. Um, I'm also going to talk about the short before it called Lava, sure. which I think was really cute yeah. and really well played. Uh, I know my dad's going to love it because it's basically Hawaiian music oh, with yeah. ukuleles. Yeah. And it's it's the whole short is told through song, mm-hmm. and it's really cute and really good. It's not um, like La Luna or um, Feast. Feast. Or some other Whatever great the Pixar. Oh, the, the, what's the newspaper one? The paper uh, airplane one is really uh, good. Uh, the, uh, I think that's a Disney one, but yeah, it's a Disney one. But still, so it's, it's not on that level, but it's still really cute and really effective. Yeah. Um. So I wanted. It's called Lava, and the song is really catchy in it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna see if you can download it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just overall, it's it's one of my favorite films of the year. Yeah. I think it's it's an amazing piece of work uh, yeah I, it is one that i think i'm gonna have to see a couple times and then ask some serious questions about maybe... who i am <laughs> no, no 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 i i don't even know why i say this but i i kind of want to stack this up against the other pixar movies yeah. and see like where i think it falls um, no i think i think you i think you have to because they're so good yeah I mean, you're telling me if you tell me that the worst Pixar film is Cars two. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not telling you the worst Pixar movie is Cars two. It's still a fun movie. I don't think it's like if if you're telling me if I had a choice to watch Shrek or Cars two, I'd watch Cars two. Uh, if you're telling me if I have a choice, yeah, a to... Shrek is pretty good. Yeah, you you didn't choose like Madagascar. <laughs> okay, if you tell me to choose Madagascar three. Um, Escape from Europe or whatever it is, and I'll always well, use Cars, cars 2. Too. Fuck yeah, Cars 2, man. Uh, and off an uh, unrelated topic, I f- finally seeing the full-length trailer of The Peanuts. I really want to see that movie. Oh, it looks amazing. I love The Peanuts, and I I was concerned when they told me they're, you know, they're going to make a 3D animation one, but I actually read an interview with a director of it just before we came here. It was really ironic and he talked about how he purposely it's 3d but they made like the lines like charles schultz and you're yes. watching it and you're like, it is it looks like and it looks like he animated and it. it's a really really cute trailer so i'm uh, really excited for that one i think that movie is i i think i could watch that movie with no sound and still enjoy it yeah like i just i just think it's gorgeous well that too they also cast um little kids to play the parts like they did in the old specials so it's they're oh, not trained cool. actors they're all just little kids um, so that's really cool. I'm really excited to see it. Cause I, I love Charlie Brown. Like he's my, one of my favorite little cartoon characters. So mm. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it was, I think it was good. I, I think, Oh, I, I did want to bring up, uh, by, by comparison that the, the trailer for Zootopia mm-hmm. that we watched beforehand is one of the worst trailers I've seen for a kid's film in yeah. a while. Well, it's a teaser. It, no, I, I understand. <laughs> but like they're, they're, Basically, the eventually really people will it. see it. Yeah, no, it looks. Here's the thing. I'm. I have no problem with like just regular like DreamWorks. Here's some animals going on an mm-hmm. adventure movie, right? I liked Over the Hedge. No, no, I love I Over the Hedge. I remember Over the Hedge, and most people probably don't. Um, I saw Over the Hedge in theaters. <laughs> um, so it's not that I have anything about that. I guess that genre, but the, the trailer is just a. Personified Fox coming out Jason and Bateman. explaining, yeah, Jason Bateman coming <laughs> out and basically explaining the plot of every single movie where the main <laughs> characters are animals, except for the fact that unlike Madagascar, there are no humans in this one. Yeah, like, uh, and then and then after you've done that whole long long winded spiel, how do you finish it off? Literally by telling me, I've seen plenty of movies with personified animals in it. You made the tagline of this one, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. 
and I I wanted to jump through the screen and <laughs> choke somebody because I was like, I've seen this movie before. This is exactly like a lot of things I've seen before. And then you ended it with a horrible pun. Ugh. I hope the movie's great. Yeah. I do, but it's a we'll horrible see. trailer. Um, but we also this Thanksgiving have another Pixar movie. Then I didn't realize then, that was coming um, out. The so Peanuts, soon. yeah, man. That's why they didn't have one last year because no. Well, because they scrapped the Good Dinosaur and uh, then they pushed yeah, it they, to this year. Yeah, they re they basically remade all of the Good Dinosaur and they scrapped Newt and like yeah they've because I think they back, do it a lot though. Yeah, Pixar is um, like well they have for they it. have lately because they back around the time that. Um, Monsters University was coming out. I think the year before that, whatever mm-hmm. that was, Brave. Yeah. I think Brave was around that time they were saying, like, oh yeah, starting in the next year or two, you will get two Pixar movies a year. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I guess this is the first year that will yeah. happen, but we didn't get one last year. Like yeah. they became actually really inconsistent. Because mm-hmm. um, I think they wanted to get to a place where you were going to get like a, a sequel to something really popular mm-hmm. and then a new idea. So you'd get your art house film like an up or or an inside out, and then you'd get your cars two or you know whatever mm-hmm. was going to be really um, like bang uh, gangbusters at the sorry at the box office. But so, I, I will take them taking a year off. If they make more movies like Inside Out. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, as as long as they continue the track record of making movies better than Cars two, then I I don't care what they do. I think as long as John Lasseter's there, I think they'll yeah. probably be all right. I I mean. I think that there's a lot of talent there. Oh um, yeah, even, I mean, even without John Lasseter, like those guys are, yeah, and women yeah. are. Andrew Stanton is fantastic. Pete Doctor is amazing. Yep. Um, yeah, they're they're all really good. So, so uh, next week we'll be seeing Ted too. Cool. And hopefully we'll hook up with um, Henry. Yeah, and um, yeah, cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks for letting me back. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production. Oh, it's it's stupid expensive. Is it really? Oh yeah, I spend a lot. I I have spent a lot of money, like keeping that drawer full of candy, candy well stocked for people. Can. So That's you, James. I went on vacation and I come back, and there's literally a sticky note, and I know who left it, but there was a sticky note on the on the drawer that said, "You need to get your life together." We need candy. <laughs> That's awesome. Because it was entirely empty at this point. All right. Uh, say something real quick. I want to make sure I get you. Something real quick. Yeah, you're quiet. Keep talking. I love Fig Newtons, too. Uh, okay. So the Fig <laughs> Newtons thing comes from uh, that giant bomb podcast that I listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a guy on there named Dan Reichert, who is basically a man child. And they had this conversation recently where he was saying like, well, I, oh, he, he was freaking out because he discovered like one of the other guys had told him that there were, there were wasps in fig newtons. And so he was like, I don't want to eat. I'm not, I'm never eating a fig newton again. He's like, I don't want, I don't want to eat wasps. And the story is that the, the, like a fig, fig, figs get pollenized, I think by these tiny little wasps and they end up in the fruit 
and then they end up dissolving, and they're 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 not even technically a wasp, but they're like the size of a gnat. But they, there's something about that, like how they're made up, that they technically are a wasp, um, and then they get dissolved inside the fruit. So there's no there are no wasps in fig newtons, but he just freaks out about it. He's like, no, no, there's wasps in fig newtons. I'm not. But they've talked about fig newtons so much that I was like. I need some fake newtons. <laughs> so I was at Sam's Club getting getting candy, and I saw them, and I was like, I could eat 24 packages of fig newtons. <laughs> yeah. I could do that. That's a thing I could do. So, so like a month? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you eat one every day. 